So a few weeks ago, a, a giant fig tree right in front of our house fell over, like one of these big trees that are out here right in front of the church. Uh, thankfully, nobody was harmed and nothing was damaged, but I did have to spend the afternoon talking to neighbors, a police officer, a guy from City Water, and the city arborist. I didn't even know we had city arborists, but the police officer told me that if the car had fallen on our, or if the tree had fallen on our car, that the city would have bought us a new car. So, good to know if that ever happens to you. Uh, the, the water guy was surprised because even though the water meter was located within the roots of the tree, nothing happened to the meter or the water line that was connected to it. Then when I met the city arborist, he said, yeah, this tree's been on our watch list for like three years. It's like, oh, okay, <laughs> that's good to know. I guess it explains how this seemingly strong and healthy tree fell over without uprooting the sidewalk or water lines because the roots were entirely de destroyed by a fungus. There you go. So just after this, my wife and I were talking about like all kinds of things um, at home, including celebrating our wedding anniversary, which naturally led to talking about our marriage and, and how different or not different things are after 19 years. Um, and, and of course, like this wasn't a linear or even a one-topic conversation because we had all kinds of things to talk about. If you are in a relationship or have a family, you know that like you just sort of have limited time and so you, everything just sort of comes out when you have a chance. Uh, and so we were multitasking and talking about a number of things and talking about our marriage and we're getting interrupted by our kids. And in the middle of all of this, Maya said, you know, the, the tree falling over just goes to show you how something can look strong and healthy on the outside, but is dying under the surface. Uh, so, <laughs> like, are we still talking about our marriage here? <laughs> and she was like, no, no, just in general, the tree, the tree falling over is, is a metaphor for, for a lot of things, like, like a lot of things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, of course, of course. But it just sounded like maybe you were talking about our marriage or, or maybe you were just talking about me. No, 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 that's not what I meant. But then she said, wait, so the tree falling over made you think about our marriage? No, no, not at all. It's, it's just that I was, it sounded, uh, maybe, maybe we should just start over because it, it seems like we're both hearing things that neither one of us is actually saying. So Jesus says that metaphors, parables, and stories work exactly like this. On the one hand, they have the capacity to open us up to things that are important and things that we, are, we need to pay attention to. But at the same time, they can cause a lot of confusion and misunderstanding. So in Mark chapter 4, verse 10, Jesus' followers ask Jesus about parables, and he says that through these parables, you have been given insight into the kingdom of God. But to those who can't see it yet, they look but don't see. They hear but don't understand. There is both deep understanding and there is confusion and misunderstanding. But even when there is confusion, one modern translation of verse 10 says that everything comes in stories creating readiness nudging us or nudging them toward a welcome awakening. 
So, I mean, honestly, it can be scary to be awake to anything that might be happening under the surface of our lives or of our relationships. For example, it's better for Maya and I, as scary as it is, it's better for Maya and I to notice that there might be some fungus growing on our communication skills, or at least how we're hearing one another. It's better to notice the, the pain or struggle hiding under the surface of our lives or our relationship or society in general before the roots die out entirely, right? So this is another way for us to understand the kingdom of God. As we've been talking about this last month, rather than top-down domination, the kingdom of God is or can be understood as God's new reality. It's the beloved community. It's God's non-traditional family. And now we have this parable here in Mark chapter 4, so beginning in verse 3. What do you make of this, Jesus said? A farmer planted seed. As he scattered the seed, some of it fell on the road and birds ate it. Some fell in the gravel. It sprouted quickly, but it didn't put down roots. So when the sun came up, it withered just as quickly. Some fell in the weeds, and as it came up, it was strangled among the weeds and nothing came of it. Some fell, however, on good earth. And came up with a flourish, producing a harvest exceeding 30, 60, and even 100 times what was expected. Are you listening to this? Are are you really listening? So the kingdom of God here is like a tree or a plant that becomes deeply rooted in healthy, life-giving soil. It's depth and growth that grounds us in the things that really matter in life, that really matter. So we, we need, as we've been talking about, we need these new images to help us understand what the kingdom of God actually looks like, because the term kingdom is really only helping um, us to know what it doesn't look like what the kingdom of God is not like, because it's not like the kingdoms of this world. It's not like the empires of this world. It's this contrast or comparison to, like, the kingdom of Rome. So when we look at it, we know what it doesn't look like, but kingdom doesn't really help us know what it does look like. So, for example, the um, emperors of Jesus' time, they also told stories in presumably meaningful ways, which we might call propaganda or we might call just branding. The good news of Caesar's kingdom was shared through images on coins and art, through poetry and architecture and stories, and especially through military conquest. So all of those stories were good news, according to Caesar. So Caesar Augustus built a temple to Apollo, within his own palace estate as a way of saying to the people, look, Caesar lives among the gods as an equal. This same story was shared on coins that included images of Caesar alongside various powerful gods. Images of Caesar together with with famous military victories. 
they're all stories of top-down control and domination. So when we ask the question, what is the kingdom of God, what does it look like when Jesus tells stories, all we can really say is, well, it's not that. Top-down control isn't good even if it's God who's at the top. So what does it look like? Well, what it looks like requires new images and new ideas for us to understand. And so Jesus gives us stories and parables and images to try to understand what it looks like. And in Jesus' parable, Jesus is a farmer, or God is a farmer who is planting seeds of God's new reality, of God's family, of God's beloved community here on earth. But how strange, how strange, especially in a world controlled by emperors, because most independent farmers were poor rather than powerful. And on large estates run by the wealthy, slaves had the task of sowing and planting crops. So instead of portraying himself as a conquering God who lives in a palace or in heaven far removed from the rest of us or from his subjects, Jesus aligns himself with the poor and the mistreated in the stories that he tells. Jesus comes as a God who lives among us. It's not Christmas anymore, but still, God who lives among us. Additionally, instead of sharing stories of of great success and victory, Jesus tells a story about him scattering seeds of a movement that works only 25% of the time. One out of four. One seed is snatched away, one plant is overwhelmed by weeds, and another withers in the heat because its roots are shallow. So being more deeply rooted holds growth that exceeds our expectations together with failure. Caesar doesn't talk about failure in his propaganda, in his branding, but Jesus does. There, there was a Nike commercial once upon a time with Michael Jordan, the, the greatest basketball player of all time, with him saying... I've missed more than 9,000 shots in my career. I've lost almost 300 games. 26 times I've been trusted to take the game-winning shot and missed. I've failed over and over and over again in my life. And that is why I succeed. Being deeply rooted is just as much about being human as it is about what God is doing. It's just as much about creating space for our flaws or our failures as it is about getting everything right. It's, it's really counterintuitive. But if we try to avoid failure at all costs and only be successful, or if we simply ignore what needs attention under, our, under the surface... Meaningful success or growth or even just health will be hard to find. So, more positively, finding ourselves deeply rooted in healthy soil, whatever that looks like, deeply rooted in 
in life-giving practices, in relationships, in work, in, in community, yields 20, 60, 100 times more, more than expected. So we know what the kingdom of God doesn't look like. It's not top-down control and domination as much as we want that to be successful. What it looks like is being planted in life-giving, healthy soil. So the question for us is, what does this look like? What does it look like for you? What does it look like for our church? What does it look like for our society to be deeply rooted in the things that really matter? Like, like really matter. Let's pray. And Jesus, thank you for your caring and refreshing presence among us. We pray that our lives, our world, would, would find ourselves planted and grounded in your love and grace. Amen.